Hi, we are Inspired Churches and we are honored for you to tune in. We are a church that is being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in rhythms of life for the good of the city and for the glory of God. As we walk into a new year, we invite you to be part of the ministry by donating a gift today. Go ahead and visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good to see you. Good morning. You are right on time. If you joined us today, we are starting a new series today. And we are entitling it Summer in the Psalms. We are just going to spend time in the psalm uh, for the entire summer. And to be honest, uh, it's, not, it's not just something I can't wait to do uh, and kind of express to you, but I can't wait to do it myself. Like, I can't wait uh, to dive deep into the psalm. So I am just really beyond excited for this series. Um, and I'm going to just kind of tell you a little of, ahead of time kind of what our mission is, what our goal is for this series. Um, for those of you that are with us and something to look forward to, and uh, hopefully you will decide and determine to be with us throughout this time in the summer. Our mission for this series is really to immerse, inspire church in the Psalms. You know, our mission is total immersion in the Psalms. Like we want you to drown in the Psalms. And I mean that, I mean that. And so why do we want you to do this? Like what is, what's the purpose for this immersion? Well, I want to give you two reasons why we're doing this. Well, number one is this, a church that is not immersed in the Psalms is a church that is not learning how to pray. A church that is not, and, and not just a body, but an individual member of the church, a person who is not immersed in the Psalms is really a person who's not truly learning how to pray. Now, I, I'm going to be a little convicting here, and I promise, I promise, I don't want to hurt or offend you, but I do want to challenge you, amen? And so, li listen, if your prayer life is dry this morning, if, if you don't know what to say sometimes. Uh, if you feel like maybe your prayers just kind of bounce off the roof and come back down when you pray, like if you've ever felt that way, if you're feeling that way right now, my prayer is that by the end of this summer series, that, that shallow prayer life that maybe you may be a little insecure about will grow and expand so that through the book of Psalms, you will be able to relate to God in such a deeper way. Number two, a church that is not immersed in the Psalms is really a church that is not equipping its disciples how to deal with and face difficult emotions and feelings. I don't know about you, but maybe you've come from previous church traditions, or maybe it's not a church tradition. Maybe you've just come from families where certain emotions were not allowed to be felt or displayed. But I want you to know you spend a little time in the Psalms and you are going to be shocked. You're going to be shocked with all of the different emotions, all of the difficult feelings that you'll find, that you will discover. It's not just a happy book or a joyful book, right? It's a book that is full of times of rage, times of deep loneliness and despair. See, there's no faking in the Psalms. Right, right. There is no such thing as a fake 
faker in the Psalms. When you read the Psalter, right, you are going to read real raw emotion. Are you with me? And so my prayer is that by the end of this summer series, you'll be able to freely express your true self before the Lord, even the things that you may have been taught to kind of push down, um, that you through the psalm will find a redemptive way to express your deepest heart, even your darkest part of your heart before the Lord in a way that he can come in, mend, mold, and speak into. Amen? And so this is what this series is about. So um, we plan a total immersion. And so I, I kind of want to just share just really quickly and then we'll get into today, today's text. So we'll be preaching the Psalms and I'm really excited because we have some guest preachers uh, that will be coming in and preaching in the next several weeks. Um, and they are going to be incredible. You know who they are. They are a part of the body of Christ. And so uh, they're part of our body. And so I'm so excited for that. We'll, ha- we'll be preaching the Psalms. We'll be reading the Psalms. We'll be praying the Psalms. We'll be singing a psalm every Sunday. Now, you might ask, how come we didn't do that today? We're kind of today's just like an opener, but we're going to launch into that. Um, And starting in July, we'll be posting a daily verse from the psalm on our social media. If you're not following us, it's just a way, a daily bread of encouragement. Not only that, but we're in July, we're going to start a 21-day journey through the psalms. And so the entire church is going to have a reading plan. So I want to even encourage you now, you got two weeks, you got this week and next week before we jump in. I want to encourage you now to prepare for that. Um, I am really excited about that. If you have friends, this is a journey to do together, journal together. You can use Google Doc to talk back and forth. For some of you who don't know what that is, just send a daily text. Put everyone on a thread, small groups, home groups, friendships, micro groups, every group possible. If you don't have a group and you feel left out, make a group. Amen? Um, And this will be a time for us to kind of go through the psalm together every day in July. And so I know that the the summer tends to be a time of getting away, and I respect that, and I have a few times that I'll be away. But if you can prioritize remaining in the Psalms even while you're away, and if you can prioritize gathering with the body together as we submerge, submerge ourselves in the Psalms, I promise that this will be a transformational experience for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into the text. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, Uh, the different parts and sections of the word, the prophets. Lord, I thank you for the historical books. I thank you for uh, uh, the New Testament, the pastoral epistles, Lord, just such a a wide array of instruction. Uh, But I, I just thank you today for the Psalms. And I pray that uh, your, each psalm that is covered will touch a part of our heart. And Holy Spirit, you would illuminate the text so that everyone in this room, when they leave this place, they can say they heard something from the Lord. And so, Father, we magnify you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful book of psalms. And I pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a, a brief introduction The book of Psalms is a collection of about 150 books that has been, I'm sorry, 150 poems that has been organized in five different books. It features multiple authors 
with the majority of these poems, 73 being attributed to King David. Um, so David was a poet. Amen. Uh, the Hebrew name for this book is Tehillim. And it means to praise. Uh, uh, Psalms comes from the Greek Septuagint, uh, which means songs. And so the Psalms were poems uh, uh, that are full of different types of experiences and emotions and feelings. But predominantly, they are praising God. And, and they were used in the temple. Like many of these poems were, were written along kind of a, a music so that the choir in the temples would sing these songs of praise. Amen. And so the Psalms has been called the hymn book of God's people. The Psalms have been called the hymn book of God's people. And so to kick off our summer immersion, uh, we are not necessarily, we are not going to read kind of the Psalms. We got about eight to nine weeks in the Psalms. And so what I've instructed every preacher and every teacher to choose two Psalms from two different categories. So you're going to hear Psalms of wisdom and instruction. You're also going to hear Psalms of despair. You're going to hear songs of thanksgiving and praise, personal thanksgiving and praise. And you're going to hear psalms of corporate thanksgiving where the entire body is praising Jesus. You're going to hear royal psalms that have to do with the king. And you're going to hear imprecatory psalms that have to do with sometimes wishing your enemy was dead. And so um, prepare yourself. Um, today, I am. I just thought the best place to start would be in Psalm 1. Amen? And so Psalm 1 is known as a wisdom psalm, a psalm of instruction. And I want you to know a little bit about Psalm 1. It was one of the last psalms to be put in the Psalter. Um, and uh, though it's one of the last psalms to be put in, it was intentionally, strategically placed in the front Psalm 1, and it's placed there in the front to act as a doorway. In fact, Psalm 1 and 2, Psalm 2 are paired together. They're called like the double doors of the Psalms, right? It's an entry point inviting us into the rest of the Psalter by way of wisdom. And so before we enter into praise, before we enter into this place of wisdom and praise, uh, 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 um, Psalm 1 is kind of the entry point or the gateway. And so what we read from Psalm 1 will then uh, be able to color our understanding of the entire Psalter. Are you okay? Amen. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm chapter 1. It is six verses long. We will also for you, have them here for you on the screen, which just reminds me, side note, tech team and folks in the back, production squad, thank you so much for moving and shaking and making sure that the breakers, yeah, can we give them glory? I, I, want, I want you to know that oftentimes churches sometimes will accidentally confuse worship to the like. 20 minutes of singing that takes place. That's not worship. Worship is a life of obedience, a response to the goodness of God. And so I want you to know that as they were scrambling in the back uh, to put these lights back on and to get everything where you were, they were worshiping to the Lord. And so all serve teams, especially today, shout out to uh, the production team um, for making this happen. We are good to go. Amen. So Psalm chapter one, and we are going to read uh, the 
first, well, we're going to read the six verses of the entire chapter. Amen? Let's do it. The scripture reads like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. We can just stop right there. (laughs) Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2, but his delight, amen, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And verse 6 kind of wraps it all up and summarizes it. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I want to say that again. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way... Of the wicked will perish. You ever been to Cheesecake Factory? I typically try not to go there um, for multiple reasons. If you work for Cheesecake, I apologize. But one of the things I don't like about Cheesecake Factory is that the menu is a a book, Uh, right? It's a book. It's got about, I don't know, 75 pages. Um, and they're full of like different menu items and also ads. All right. And so if you want a, a burger or a lawyer, you got it. Um, and so, you know, drinks, um, uh, you know, lunch, dinner items, breakfast. I don't know why they have breakfast there. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, like two pages dedicated to cheesecakes, um, that all make my stomach just bubble as I read through. Um, sorry if that was a little too much, but, uh, but you know, when there's just too many options, you know what I mean? It's just a little bit difficult. Like give me a couple of things so I don't get lost and I'll figure it out, right? And so uh, that's kind of my little introduction to say that uh, it's really become positive and popular uh, uh, to suggest, especially to young people, if you're a, a younger person in this space, which means you're like 80 or younger, 90 or younger, um, it's become really popular, right, to suggest that in this life, there's like a, a multiplicity of like options, right? Like the world is at your fingertips, right? Life is like a menu at Cheesecake Factory, right? You can decide and determine where you want to go. Your choices are plentiful, right? That this life, um, there are many paths to take, right? And some of you are like, yes, with starry eyes. Um, But I'm just kind of giving you a heads up. We're going to pop that bubble a little bit. And this is what I mean. This is just simply not true, right? It's just not true. And, and, And see, according to the wisdom of God in the Psalter, there are really only two paths, Like if you read this psalm, there's only really two different types of people, two different paths, and two ultimate destinations. Are you with me? And so there's only two ways to go in this life. And when I say two ways to go and two paths to take, I'm not talking about your political, you know, Democrats and Republicans or conservatives and progressives. I'm not talking about the haves and the have-nots, the rich or the poor. No, 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 no. There are two 
paths, two ways to go, two ways to take according to God. And these two ways are this. There is the way of the righteous, which we're told leads to prosperity, blessing, and life. And then this, the text tells us that there is the way of the wicked, will, which will ultimately lead to a dead end. There are two ways. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. The way of the righteous is the prosperous, blessed path according to the psalm. But the way of the wicked will perish or will lead to a dead end. So as we prepare to enter into the front door of praise, amen? As we prepare to, uh, to embark on this summer immersion, we are greeted at the entrance of the Psalms with a critical question. Which way are you going to go? Which way are you going? Is the path that you are currently on leading you toward the life of blessing and prosperity outlined in the psalm? Or is it a dead end? I want to remind you of the words of Jesus Christ. He said this. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. That's pretty sobering. That's pretty, like, that's limiting. Enter by the narrow gate. Psalm chapter 1 is really easy to outline. The way of the righteous, the way of the wicked, and then it's all wrapped up in saying that the way of the righteous, the Lord knows, and the way of the wicked will perish. And so that's what we're going to do. We are going to talk about the way of the righteous, the way of the wicked, and then I'm going to make my appeal, and then we're going to share the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ in hopes that you would examine the way that you are currently going in hopes that you would place your life in the one way, amen, that guarantees blessing and prosperity, amen? Verses one through three describe the way of the righteous. And I don't know if you were paying attention or if you caught it, but the way that it was describing the way of the righteous were both in negative and positive terms. And so verses one will tell you the way, this is what the way of the righteous this is how they're not going, what they're not going to do. Whereas Andy Minio says, the way of the righteous, here's what I ain't going to do. Um, amen. So I kind of worked on that one. Not sure if it flew, but here's what I ain't going to do. <laughs> the text provides us with three don'ts. Okay. Right when I said that, I just imagine like just somebody, but the text provides us with three dotes. If you want to walk in the way of the righteous, here's what you ain't going to do. Number one, the text says you are not going to walk in wicked counsel. Here, here, here's what I'm not going to do. I am not going to value the opinion of those who live their lives as if there is no God. 
Now, I, I wrestled with that, right? Because I was like, sometimes you can get some really good advice from folks that don't serve Jesus on like, maybe you want to start a business or do you understand what I'm saying? So I really wanted to be careful, but I also wanted to be make sure that you felt the, the deep understanding of what wrong voices can do. Wrong voices can lead to wrong choices. And so here's what I'm not going to do if I am going to walk the way of the righteous. I'm not going to value the opinion of those who live their lives as if there is no God. And by the way, that's Christians too. There are many believers who are believer by confession, but their lifestyle is not in alignment with the word. And so just because you have marked Christian on your social media or on Bumble, amen, does not mean that you are truly who you say that you are. And so I'm not bagging on unbelievers. I'm actually also bagging on believers whose life does not align. What does this mean? This means that I'm not going to prioritize the advice of my unbelieving friends. This means that I'm not going to allow my thinking to be influenced by the glitter and glamour of the world. This means I am going to reject, avoid, and deny any direction, instruction, or opinion that is contrary to God's revealed will. Amen? Amen. Number two, we go from walking in the counsel of the wicked to standing in the sinners, in the way of sinners. Now, I want you to know, this doesn't mean that I'm going to like block sinners, like I'm going to stand in their way. What it means is that I am going to adopt their lifestyle. Are you with me? So here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to lead a lifestyle that is in opposition to God's word. Now, listen, I have to preference this. Like, I may struggle, right? Is there anybody perfect? Absolutely not, right? Christ is perfect, and Christ has given us his perfection, praise the Lord. And out of worship, I will lay down my life in obedience. But because I am flesh, there will be times when I falter, fall, and fail. Are there anybody who could be honest in here? Amen. So I'm not talking about perfection. I may struggle. I may fail. But I will not willfully give in. How y'all doing? We move from walking in wicked counsel to standing in the sinner's way. And finally, number three sitting with scoffers. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to become someone who mocks God, champions sin, and leads others astray. Right? That's a scoffer is someone who mocks and ridicules the way of the Lord and puts others down for following that way. Now, did you notice a progression there, there, there's a progression of permanence if you look at the, how this is laid out. What do I mean by that? Well, 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 this goes from walking to standing to sitting. 
right? There's a progression from movement to stagnation, a, a progression from, from walking through to standing to sitting in. Are you with me? And so here's a really important learning point this morning, an important takeaway. The way of the wicked is a slippery slope. I said the way of the wicked is a slippery slope that can take us from contemplating sin to living in sin and to finally championing, allying, and cheering sin on. Y'all with me? It's a slippery slope that anybody in this room, no matter how holy you proclaim to be, can fall into. In fact, as I look around the congregation this morning, I can see names and faces throughout the seven years that Inspired Church has been around that have disappeared. I can remember where they used to sit. I could remember how they would worship. And it's beautiful that others are in this room, but their presence, their lost presence is felt. And so for those that have fell off and slipped down the slope, let this be a warning to those who are here. Are you with me? Let this be a warning. I remember one sister who, who really loved the Lord, but was real haunted by her loneliness. And when the wrong man came in saying the right thing, are you with me? It, it shipwrecked her faith. Right? Like it wasn't just, oh, you left church. It was you, 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 your faith was shipwrecked. I remember this young, one, young uh, man, this one young man who said that he had a relationship with Jesus, but he had a desire for more. And it wasn't more of Christ, right? A desire for more freedom, more fun, more travel, higher pay, more play. Are you with me? Yeah. Am I talking to anybody in this room or just myself? And, and that desire for more like the cares of the world, the accumulation of stuff, that pursuit consumed him and sent him on a downward spiral to the point now where if you were to see him, you would not recognize him anymore. The spiral has been so deep that now he is surrounded by addiction and pain. The way of the wicked is a slippery slope. Or how about all of those faces and families prior to the lockdown where Inspire Church, because we were a mobile church, could not meet together for 18 months. And we were on Zoom and we were outside. Remember that? We were at the BART station. But during that time, complacency set in. Right? It's a slippery slope. During that time, many folks who were here are no longer here. Some folks 
moved in our serving Jesus. It's not about being a part of a church, but some folks, just that gathering, that community piece that wasn't consistently maintained, right? It ate away. Some of you know what that's like. And all of a sudden, the faithfulness to the body of Christ. And again, the body of Christ does not guarantee your salvation, but the community of believers gathering together to encourage one another that, that dried up and, and it became a slippery slope. We have to be careful. Amen? We have to build a foundation that will last because the way of the wicked, is, it's slippery. But those who walk the righteous way will not just be defined by what they don't do. Amen? But they will be defined by what they, what they are willing to do. Right, more specifically, those who walk in the way of the righteous, and I really, I really want you to hone in on this. Those who walk in the way of the righteous, ready, will be defined by their relationship with God's word. They will meditate on the law of God. Uh, they, they, they will delight, the scripture says, on the law of God. Day and night, meditating and delighting. Now, the word law doesn't just mean the Ten Commandments. Like the full counsel of God is an instruction for our lives. And so what the psalmist is saying is the blessed life, the prosperous life, the way of the righteous is not just defined by what you won't do, but what you are willing to do in particularly with relationship to the word of God. And so there are three do's that are also mentioned in this text. Number one, they will meditate on the law. So this is what I will do. I will, are you ready? Savor God's word in my mind. I will ponder the word. I will recite the word in my heart. I will chew on it as I walk throughout my day. I will apply it to my mind. I will apply it to my heart. I will examine my behavior in alignment with the scripture. Are you with me? Uh, my faith, like meat marinating. Anybody like to marinate meats? Like meat marinating, I will soak in God's word so that my thoughts, actions, and attitudes are flavored with his love, flavored by his wisdom, flavored with his will. Now, I know meditation is really weird to some folks in this room, some Christian ears. What, is, what meditation? But I want you to know meditation is all over the scriptures. It may sound strange, but I want you to know there's a difference between Eastern philosophy of meditation and Christianity and Judaism meditation. Are you with me? You see, the Eastern philosophy is to empty the mind. In order to find your true self. But the goal of Christian meditation is to fill your mind with the word of God. So that you can be transformed by the presence of God. Like your transformation is not going to come from within. Your heart is sometimes can be very wicked. You can't trust that the flesh's desires, the emotions and the feelings, these are beautiful things, but they all have to come under subjection to the word of God. 
And so folks who are not meditating on the word are typically guided by what feels right or good. And may I also say that we are a world that is surrounded by technology that has captured our attention. We cannot put our phones down. It is difficult for us to just remain quiet. Are you with me? And so you may not be meditating on the word, but can I say this? You are meditating on something. The music that you're listening to. Like, oh no, pastor, where are you going? I just want to say you are meditating on something. Like something is fashioning and forming your mind, which is why you talk the way you talk, dress the way you dress. Are you with me? Like your decisions are dipped in what you meditate on. But when you meditate on the word, you fill yourself up with God's word, God's instruction, God's truth. And I love somebody once said that the Bible is the only book that you can read and the author will show up there with you. A little corny, but I like it. Meditate on the law. Here's what I will do. I'll meditate on the law. Number two, I will delight in the law. Amen? This is what I will do. I will enjoy savoring God's word like a steak. I will take pleasure and look forward to searching the scriptures for myself and discovering the beauty of its divine wisdom and revelation. Are you with me? This is by far one of the most difficult things to do. Right? Because we have bought into the notion that we cannot like produce delight. That it just kind of supposed to automatically happen. <laughs> How is it possible to move from duty to delight? Because many of us probably see the scripture like we do our college textbooks. <laughs> nope. Okay. Maybe just me. Right? Like you got it. It's there. Depending on what class, is it, class it is, you probably don't read it. <laughs> And if you do have to open up, you open up really begrudgingly, right? And you have to read it like 30 times and you just don't retain it. And maybe that was just me and maybe that's why I became a pastor. Somebody like, no, I love it. Praise God. You are cut from a different cloth, amen? But how is it possible to change the affections of the heart? Because the reality is what I delight in, I'll meditate on. Amen? Like I delight, there's a couple of shows on Netflix that I really delight in right now. And as a result, I am watching it. And sometimes I'm really tempted to binge watch, right? That's really meditation. (laughs) Just three hours on a Saturday gone by. (laughs) But, But what you delight in, you'll meditate on. But can I also say this? What you meditate on, you'll delight in. What you meditate on, you'll delight in. Like there is a way. In which your affections can be stirred. We wrongly assume that it is impossible to grow in delight. We grossly underestimate the beauty of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Who changes the affections of those who love Christ. Right? 
taste buds change and the things that you used to, you didn't like, all of a sudden you begin to like. This is what the spirit can do. And so you don't just meditate on what you delight in, but you can also delight in what you meditate on. And that's a word for some of you in here because it's difficult for you to pick up the word. You doing okay? Thank you. Finally, number three, here's what I'm going to do. I will, I will meditate. I will savor. I will recite. I will ponder. I will apply to my heart and my mind. I will delight. I will enjoy. I will look forward to. And finally, number three is, and I'll do a day and night. <laughs> day and night. And if you're not convicted yet, that one should convict just about everyone in this room. Amen. This is what I will do. I will practice savoring God's word as a primary rhythm of life. We talk about rhythms of life. It's part of who we are. We are a community being transformed by the gospel, living in rhythms of life. And one of the life-giving rhythms is the rhythm of meditating on the scripture. And as July comes, we're going to spend 21 days with an opportunity to chew on the psalm. And I want to invite you to take, to take this as your invitation. And when you do it in community and when you journal and, and when you discuss, all of a sudden, there's delight. The psalmist is not suggesting that we should give this a try from time to time. But the wisdom of God is reminding us that if we are to walk in the way of the righteous, amen? If we are to experience the blessed and prosperous life, then we should prioritize creating intentional spaces in our daily lives to chew on, to savor, and to marinate on God's word. Amen? Like it doesn't have to be overwhelming, in fact, make some exchanges in your life, right? We always say, take the rhythms that are killing you and exchange them with the life-giving rhythms, right? In the morning you wake up, typically you turn to your phone. And some of you scroll through Twitter or scroll through whatever it is that you scroll through. But how about for a month you put the phone in another room and you put just the scripture there. And you wake up in the morning and you don't have to spend two hours and be a scholar and, and excavate the text in a way that would make someone proud on a pulpit. All you have to do is read the scripture, focus in on a word, pray that word, and then throughout your day, recall it. Write it on a note, put it in your wallet. Right, this is the rhythm of life, the rhythm of meditating on scripture. We should prioritize creating spaces in our lives to chew, savor, and marinate on God's word. Because this is the blessing and prosperity of those who do. Are you ready? Because you've heard me use the word blessing and prosperity a lot. And I want you to know those words have been used and abused in the Christian culture. 
In fact, there are probably folks in this room. I, I just want to say you have to be careful because the blessing and the prosperity sometimes that is being preached and taught is really just filling up the pursuits of your own flesh, right? What's, be, what's being said is not really just medicine or food to your soul, but it is feeding the flesh. It is causing you to move in selfish ambition. Are you with me? Okay, that's another sermon for another time. We do have some sermons on the prosperity gospel if you would like to check that out on our podcast. Amen? So what is this blessedness and prosperity? I want you to know that this blessedness and prosperity of the text is not relegated to external accumulation of things. It's not health and wealth because we all know that even the righteous will suffer, right? If we believed in a health and wealth gospel, then Jesus Christ should have been the richest person on this earth and not the one who suffered the most. And so in this life, there will be suffering even for the godly. You're going to hear that in one of the Psalms. In fact, the psalmist is going to look around and he's going to say, why do the wicked prosper? You ever thought about that? You ever looked around and said, man, they ain't reading their Bible. They're not meditating on the word and they got it made. Right, because we don't understand that there is a prosperity and blessing of the soul. So that whether you are the have or the have not, whether you are the rich or the poor, whether you rent a home, own a home, or you live in somebody else's backyard, there is a a food for the soul. There is a comfort of knowing that you have been forgiven. There is a comfort of knowing that there is a hope in glory, that you are saved, sanctified. You've been made secure, that whatever comes your way God is in control he is sovereign and that you will spend eternity you have an inheritance right your shame and your failures and your sins are no longer your identity but you have been identified by the blood of Jesus Christ he has taken your place he has made the exchange the ultimate judgment that is coming on all the earth will bypass you because you are in Christ and because of that you can have all the money in the world or no money at all, and you can say, it is well with my soul. Amen? Amen. And if you're broke like me, you're like, yeah, preach that one. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So what is this blessing then in prosperity? The scripture says that those who meditate... On the word of the Lord day and night, make it their delight. They will be like evergreen trees, planted by streams of water, producing fruit in its season. Are you with me? The result of the one who is not walking, nor standing or sitting, but the one who is meditating and delighting on the word of the Lord. He is like, she is like a tree that is planted. I love the idea of being planted. It means you weren't there at first, but somebody brought you there, planted you there, placed you there. Come on, is there anybody who was far from God? Is there anyone who wasn't experiencing the blessing of the soul, but then Jesus Christ picked you up and planted you near water. This is planted. This indicates a purposeful placement next to water. He is rooted and grounded next to water. He or she is daily soaking up the necessary elements to remain evergreen. 
You see, the thing about an evergreen tree is that it doesn't change. The climate may change. The seasons may change. The winds may blow. The temperatures may fall. The days may darken. And though you may be in a season of prolonged winter, and though the trees around you might fall, and though other trees' roots might rot, are you with me? And though other trees' leaves might wither and wilt, the one who delights and meditates on the word is like a tree that is planted by the waters, whose leaves never wither and whose fruit is brought in season. Verses four and five briefly describe the way of the wicked. And the way of the wicked is opposed to the stable tree is unstable chaff. Chaff that the wind blows away. Chaff is the husk that surrounds the wheat. In fact, the farmer will take a pile of wheat and bring it to the threshing floor and will take his pitch and will stab this pile, throw it up in the air. And as this pile is thrown up in the air, only the thing of substance, you with me? Only the stuff that has weight will fall down to the floor. And as the, chaff, as the wheat is thrown into the air, the wheat, the stuff that can be used, the stuff that can be consumed, the good stuff falls down because it is weighty. But the chaff, the wind blows away. Are you with me? You see, only the wheat falls back down to the ground because the chaff lacks substance. It lacks weight. And so the winds easily blow it away. What does that mean? How can we apply that? See, the way of the wicked is meaningless and empty, just like chaff. You want to know why the way of the wicked is meaningless? Want to know why that way is empty? Because the person who walks in this way does not live with eternity in mind. I'm going to invite the team to come up. You see, the person who walks in the way of the wicked, they live for things that won't last. Right? They make their primary pursuit in life about accumulating things that they can't take with them when they die. Are you here? They live for themselves. They, they pursue pleasure and do what makes them feel good. They're fools because they place their ultimate affection on the things that will go away. This is why the psalmist says, they will not stand in the judgment. What does he mean by that? He means this one day, justice is going to come. And one day, whether you're a follower of Christ, a believer or not, we are all going to stand before the God of this universe. And God will weigh their pursuits. He'll weigh their priorities. He'll weigh their ambitions in this life and their pursuits and ambitions and priorities will be weightless. It will be found wanting. Are you with me? 
And just like the chaff, it'll blow away. And just like the chaff, the farmer will take it and burn it in the fire. But those who walk in the way of righteous, the scripture says God, God knows that way. He, he watches over that way. God keeps an eye on the path that they are taken. And though it's the harder path, though it's the path less traveled, though it requires us to carry a cross, there is a prosperity and blessing that money cannot buy. So I want to finish this morning by saying this. The wisdom of this psalm and the frightening reality of this psalm is that there's no middle ground. You with me? That's what the psalm says. The wisdom of this psalm and the frightening thing about this psalm is that there's no middle ground. Maybe you can chew on that this week. (laughs) There's no middle ground. Right? There's no third way. There's only the way of the righteous, which leads to prosperity, blessing, and life. And the way of the wicked, which culminates, leads to a dead end. Men? And so... Here's my appeal to you this morning. And if we could pull that scripture up that Jesus spoke. We can finish with the words of Christ. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy. It means everybody's going that way. And those who enter it are many. And then he goes on to say, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. But there's good news. There's beautiful, there's good news. There is power. There is a strength for you to do what not everyone is doing. There is a power for you to love what everyone's not loving. Like you can't do it on your own. Like left in your own devices, amen, have you tried? I know I've tried it. So left it on. We are just, we're default toward the way of the flesh. We default towards destruction. So God, how can we adjust our way? We are imperfect people. But the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus walked that way. He walked that road. He picked up that cross. And on that cross, he was crucified. And in his crucifixion, look, the, the Bible says that those who would put their faith and trust in him the one who walked the walk that we couldn't walk the one who died the death that we deserve to die that if we would put our faith and hope and trust in him it is Jesus who has done the work who has finished the job and the scripture says that on that cross for those who would put their faith and trust in Jesus that Jesus takes upon himself your sin Every time you've walked off that path, every time you've deviated, right? For every day and every night you haven't read the word, which if you just put them all together, it's probably been a lot. 
But the good news is this, that in Christ we've been forgiven. That in Christ even our mistakes, our failure to delight, Jesus delighted. Jesus walked. And so by putting our faith in him, not only are our mistakes, our sins, and our failures crucified on that cross. But then Jesus gives to us his perfect record of righteousness. And the Bible tells us that we are empowered by his Holy Spirit. That the love of God and the cross of Christ and our faith, that something supernatural begin to take place. And the things that we used to hate, we start to love. And the things that we used to love, we start to hate. And, and our affections change and our, and our tastes change and our delight changes. And it's all because of the cross of Jesus Christ. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word of instruction and this word of wisdom that you have given to us. Lord, I thank you because you bless the one who walks in the way of righteousness. I thank you because you desire to prosper our way. But Lord, I understand that I don't always walk that way. In fact, more often times than not, more times than I like to admit, I think I walk in the wicked way, the ungodly way. Lord, I repent. But I thank you, Jesus, because you walked it perfectly on my behalf. So I just pray that the love and the joy that I have in knowing that Christ has accomplished it for me, I pray that that would empower my affections, change my affections, God. Sometimes, Lord God, I, maybe I can find the word dull or stale or dry. God, forgive me. This is your word. Your word brings life, Lord God. Teach me to meditate on your word. In fact, I pray that that word meditation all week would just sit heavy in my heart. Teach me to marinate, to ponder, to think about, to apply. Help me, Lord God, to, to discern and avoid wicked counsel. Let me be led by the Spirit. Lord, I don't want to be like empty, weightless chaff, but I want to be like a tree that is planted by the waters. May I be a tree planted by the waters, unshakable, unchangeable, immovable, bearing fruit in its season. And I thank you because you know the way of the righteous. You know, you know me, you know my heart, you know my desires. You are sovereign over it all. And I just thank you because I know that I will stand in the judgment and I will be declared not guilty, not by my own works, because of Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you for this psalm. May it settle in our hearts, and may we come back next week ready to continue our immersion in your word. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's word and live for him. Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and mercy ministries. Visit us at inspiredchurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year.